Our text for today is Psalm 119.11. I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Father God, thank you for the treasure of your word. Lord, you have said that your word is like silver refined in, in a furnace like gold purified seven times. Lord God, my words are not your words, but may they now be purified all the same, and if there be any dross in them, Lord God, may it be burned off before they reach this, your congregation's ears. May only your word remain, Father. And above all, I pray that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from your law. Amen. Well, in the book of 1 John, the Apostle John says this. He says, That which we have heard and seen, we now declare to you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. And if there's one thing I would ask from our time here this morning, one thing I would ask the Holy Spirit is that he would grant us a greater measure of joy in his word. And you know, not just a greater measure. Because the word of God teaches that when he fills our cups, they overflow. So Father God, would you remove from our hearts anything that is keeping us from you, and would you fill it with joy from your word? Amen. You know, the Apostle John, he also says this in 1 John, and I'll just turn there. He starts the book this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, Life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And he goes on. And you can kind of see it there in the English, uh, but in the the Greek, the grammatical construction it uses, uh, the kind of emphasis it places on the text, it's more like that which we have seen with our own eyes that which we have handled with our own hands. You see, they saw and touched the very body of Christ. And we may not have seen or felt Christ's incarnate body, but we have heard Him. We have His Word. He has spoken to us, and through it we come to know Him. We come to know Christ We come to have, we come to feel, we come to see, as it were, Christ, the Word. The Word that was in the beginning. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And through Him all things were made. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Now the darkness may, may not be able to comprehend him. It may not be able to comprehend that. It may not be able to comprehend his word. But to us it has been given. And that is a priceless treasure. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is the treasure of God's Word, treasuring God's Word in our hearts. And thus our text, likely one that is very familiar to you, and likely the version that you have memorized, the translation you have memorized, and probably the one that you read from your copy of Scriptures, says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. 
And that Hebrew word is literally rendered like to hide or, or to conceal something. But in the context of that passage, and as we'll see in, in the context of several other passages in Scripture, that word has a much richer meaning than simply to conceal something. It is more to store up something of great worth, to store up something of great value. Uh, we can see the same concept in Job 23. Um, Job says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It's that same word there. It is recognizing that something is of great value and it is treasuring it, it is storing it up. Now Psalm 119 says that we are to store up, we are to treasure the Word of God where? In our hearts. In the inner man. In Scripture, oftentimes when it speaks of the heart, and then it's speaking of that, the inner man, uh, the, the seat of feeling, the seat of thinking. And that is where Scripture tells us we are to treasure His Word. How do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about three things. The treasure of God's Word, treasuring God's Word in our hearts, and we will close with some helpful hints for the same treasuring God's Word. So what then does it mean to treasure the Word of God? Well, I think if we look back to the passage of Job I mentioned earlier, we can get a hint. He says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now does Job say that I treasure it more than most food. I treasure it more than eating food. I enjoy reading the Word of God more than I enjoy eating. No. He says, I treasure the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I store up his word more than I store up the food necessary for my life. See, Job is valuing the Word of God more than is valuing his very physical substance. He is recognizing that it is more valuable to him than the very food necessary to sustain his life. So I think that is the first step, the first key in treasuring the Word of God. Is To see something as a treasure, you have to recognize it as valuable. You have to recognize it as a treasure. And that leads us to the question then, what is it about the Word of God that makes it such a treasure? Now, I don't think that's a very hard question to answer. I think that is a very long question to answer. If we stopped right now, and we just sat down together, and we started talking with one another about what it is about the Word of God that we think makes it such a treasure, what treasures we find within it, sharing with one another from the Word of God, we would spend the rest of our natural lives doing so, and I don't think we would even scratch the surface of what makes this such a priceless treasure. Take what, take what Brother Jared has been sharing out of Zephaniah 3, for instance. And Jared, if you're listening, I really appreciate you sharing that. Man, that lit a, a little fire in my heart. Thank you for doing that. Just that first phrase, the Lord your God in your midst. The Lord. God is not just a God among gods. He is not a Lord among lords. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And at His name, every knee will bow. Every king will submit to Him. Every king will bring to Him their gifts of praise. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. He is not some disinterested God uh, who is sitting away from the, his creation. He is active in ruling creation. He upholds everything that is made by the word of his power and he actively rules it as the Lord. 
He's the Lord, our God. This God who created all things, who rules all things by the word of his power, he has said to us that you will be my people and I will be your God. He is not some disinterested king. He is our God and we have direct access to him. We have part and we partake of him. He is our God. He's the Lord our God in. He's not the God of the deists. He did not just wind up this universe with a clock and sit back. He is in. That is a promise from Scripture. He is in. And he's where? In our midst? What? You're telling me that this king, this God, this creator God, who rules all things, who cares for all things, who judges all things in perfect righteousness, who has said that we are his people and he is our God, you're saying he's right here right now in this room with us? You're telling me that he's with me on the battlefield. You're telling me he's with me when I stand in line at the grocery store. You're telling me he's with me when I'm holding my baby at four in the morning. You're telling me he's with me every step of my life. Yes. He's the Lord our God in our midst. That's seven words in the English. You take those seven words, just those seven words, and you love them, and you treasure them, and you store them up in your heart, and they will worth be they will mean more to you than anything the world could ever offer. And that, I think, is an important distinction. The distinction between what the world offers us and what the Word offers us. The treasure of the world and the treasure of the Word. It is important because Scripture says it's important. Psalms, in particular, makes this distinction often between the Word of God and the world. And it's important because it helps both to illustrate what it is about the Word that is such a treasure, and it helps to realign our affections away from the things of the world and to God and to His Word. And I think... Um, I think one of the most beautiful places we can see this distinction made is in Psalm 19. And you may turn there with me if you'd like. We'll be reading through Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. Starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. We serve a perfect God, and this is his perfect testimony, the perfect expression of his will. You know, some men seek God in mammon, some men seek God in nature, some men seek him in the state. And not only are none of those things perfect, but we know that if you place your trust in them, their end is destruction. And if there's one treasure among treasures, one priceless pearl among pearls, it is this, that the word of God is perfect for guiding us into a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. It is perfect for illuminating himself to us. It is perfect for converting the soul. That word uh, converting, it can also be translated as restoring or reviving or um, rejuvenating. And I think the picture there is, yes, the word of God is, is perfect, through the work of the Holy Spirit for converting a dead soul into a live soul, but also for converting a downcast soul into a soul that rejoices. 
The Word of God is perfect and sufficient for renewing us and reviving us. Now, there are many things which you might find renewing in this world that you might get rejuvenation from, hobbies or a nice hot cup of coffee, things like that. And those things are all good. God has given those things to us, and we should use them. They're good. But may they never take preeminence in our hearts over the Word of God. May we never seek the things of the world to renew us more than we seek the Word of God to renew us. The renewal we find daily from the Word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, a testimony, uh, especially in terms of courts of law, is a solemn attestation as to the truth of a matter. God has given us his testimony, and it is true. Thy word is truth. You know, some men may twist the truth, misrepresent the truth, outright lie for their own benefit and for our hurt, but the Word of God has given us His Word, His testimony, His truth for our benefit. Let us use it for our benefit. It is sure, and it makes wise the simple. You know, by way of illustration, um, where I went to college was a Bible school attached to a Southern, ba- Southern Baptist seminary. And, you know, I had a lot of uh, godly professors there, godly men who I really believe loved the Lord, had a heart to serve Him, wanted to teach others about Him. But, you know, in my four years there, I only had one professor who was an outspoken six-day creationist, just one, who said he believed that God created the world in six days by the word of his power simply because God testified to it. And again, I'd, I don't know those other men's hearts, at least um, those men who I spoke about these, these things with, um, they all subscribe to you know, forms of Christian evolutionism, whatever. Um, And again, I believe that they love the Lord. But the only reason I can think of for rejecting the testimony, a clear testimony of um, the creation of the world, is because you love the wisdom of men more than the testimony of the Lord. Let us not do likewise. When the wisdom of men says left when scripture says right let's go right (laughs) the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing the heart you know statutes um they mainly deal with civil law and i believe that's the um what the psalms are attesting to here Um, for instance when god reiterates the death penalty for murder in the Pentateuch. Um, He says this will be a statute and a judgment in Israel forever. So I I do believe it is referring primarily primarily to civil law. Um, The law of God is right and it rejoices the heart. And we do not need to look for to see that the statutes of men are not right. And they do not rejoice the heart. They cause the heart to weep. Word of God says that when the wicked rule, the people groan. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Psalm 119 says that my rivers of water flow from my eyes because men do not keep your law. And my heart yearns for rulers who would love the statutes of the Lord. May it be so even in our lifetimes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. Now this, um, this word picture here, enlightening the eyes, a lot of times when we talk about enlightenment, um, what we mean by that is like gaining knowledge or like kind of like, aha, like um, I've been enlightened. Um, and that's correct to say of the commandments of God, they do enlighten us, they do give us wisdom, they do um, uh, help us to see clearly. I think there's a deeper word picture here. The commandment of the Lord is pure and radiant that it lights up our eyes. And you know what that means when you see something that's important to you or that you enjoy. Your eyes kind of light up. People of God, may, when we approach Scripture, may it light up our eyes. And may it light up our eyes more than the things of this world. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know, Proverbs says. The fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be saved. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now the things of this world, they will pass away. Men will pass away, and if you trust in them, they will fail you. But God's testimony and the fear through the Holy Spirit that it produces is clean and it endures forever. Let us look to it instead of the things of the world. True and righteous altogether, may more to be desired are they than gold, yes, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Now, Gil, your, uh, your, your honey's pretty good, man, but it ain't ever going to be as sweet as this. <laughs> People of God, the Word of God is a treasure. And in keeping it, there is great reward. It is more perfect, more sure, more right, more pure, more clean than anything this world could ever offer us. The Word of God restores and revives our soul. It makes us wise. It rejoices our hearts. It lights up our eyes. Let us therefore desire it more than the things of the world. Desire it more than much fine gold. Let us love it and desire it and let us desire to treasure it in our hearts. But in so doing, In so doing, let us not forget who this book is about. Every jot and tittle of the Word of God points us to Christ. Our King, our Captain, our Redeemer, our Friend, our portion, our treasure. These words are perfect because they are His words. They are pure because they are His words. They are sure because they are His words. They are right and clean because they are His words. They restore our souls because our souls desire Christ. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Saints of God, herein is the wellspring of living waters. Drink from it. The scriptures make one wise because herein is the mind of Christ. Learn from him. 
The scriptures enlighten the eyes. They light up our eyes because when our eyes are fixed on him, all the world in its vainglory grows dull. Through God's word, we come to know him, we come to love him, we come to have a living relationship with our Redeemer, and that rejoices the heart. You remember the, um, the disciples on the, the road to Emmaus? When Christ came and explained to them out of all the law and prophets everything that was written of him. What did they say afterwards? Did not our hearts burn within us? Did you ever want to be there on that road and hear Christ preach Christ? Saints of God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, Christ preaches Christ every time we open this book. Let us desire him, let us desire to cherish him, let us desire to learn from him and learn from him, of him from his word. Let us learn to love him and love his word. And that, I think, that I think is the preeminent key to treasuring the word of God, to loving the word of God, to treasuring it in our hearts, is that we have to first love Christ. You know, God in his word has promised that he would remove from us hearts of stone and put in their place hearts of flesh and that he would write his law on our hearts. The word of God teaches that outside of Christ, we are dead and dead men don't love anything. They cannot feel anything. A stony heart is a dead heart. A heart set on the things of the world, set on sin, is a dead heart. And if you do not know Christ, you have a dead heart. And its end is death. Its end is destruction. For the wages of sin is death. A dead stony heart is set on the things of the world and The things of the world are of the devil, and the devil has come to kill and to steal and destroy. But in Christ is life. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you serve the world, your own sin, your flesh, and its end be destruction? Or will you serve Christ in whom is life and the light of men? Have your heart removed, have your dead heart removed, and have God plant in it a living heart. And you will know what it says in Ephesians. What are the riches of our inheritance with Him? For you see, to those of us who are in Christ, the law is no longer a curse. But it is a tremendous treasure written on our hearts. And we are enabled to love his word because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. You see, when we have our hearts transformed by Christ, we have the affections of our hearts directed to Christ, and we are enabled to use our hearts for Christ. And I think part of using our hearts for Christ is what we were talking about today treasuring the Word of God in them. Treasuring the Word of God in our hearts. Now, as I mentioned before, um, in this context, when Scripture is talking about the heart, it's talking about the inner man, the inner being, the inner fiber. And without going into a huge detour, on the theology of man and body-soul dualism or duality or any of that sort of thing, um, let us just note and recognize that Scripture says that there is an outer man and that there is an inner man. And let us also note and recognize that while Scripture in no way devalues the outer man at all, you know, God said of his physical creation, it is very good. 
the emphasis that Scripture places, the, the, what Scripture tells us we are to value most is not the outer man, but the inner man. And it is in the inner man that we are to store up God's Word. John Piper, in commenting on our text, Psalm 119.11, he said something along the lines of, um, the, the Word of God is not simply to be stored on the outer tablet. It's not simply to be kept written on the outer tablet. It is to be written on the inner tablet, the inner tablet of our hearts. The Word of God is not to be kept outside of us, only to be consulted when we feel like we need to or when it is convenient. It is to be kept inside of us in the inner tablet of the heart that we may meditate on it, we may be informed by it, we may com- commune with God through it, we may commune with God in prayer through it, wherever we are and whatever our circumstance. And we have seen that in order to do this, in order to treasure up, store up God's Word in our hearts, we must first love Christ. And we must love His Word more than we love the things of the world. And we must lay up His Word in our hearts more than we lay up the things of the world in our hearts. Now we know the fruits of the world. Anger, murder, strife, adulteries, contentions, jealousies, every evil thing. And Jesus Christ teaches us that those things come from the heart. Those things come from the heart. But by God's grace, through His sanctifying work, in us pressing in our upper calling to conformity into the image of His Son, God is giving us victory over those things. He will give us victory over those things. God gives us victory over those things. The question is, the question remains, that when we are confronted, or when we are tempted to sin, when we are confronted with the temptation to sin, when we are afforded opportunity to sin, what does the storehouse of our heart produce? You see, remember the second half of our verse, uh, Psalm 119.11, I have stored up the things, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not, what? Sin against you. And we're not, that's not the focus of this message, we're not really expositing that portion of that verse, but let us not forget it. It is important. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So what have you kept safe in your heart? You see, that's keeping safe. That's part of why... um, we can, we can translate this Hebrew word both hide and treasure. It's because when you treasure something, you keep it safe. So again, when confronted with the opportunity to sin, what have you kept safe in the storehouse of your heart? What does the storehouse of your heart produce? Does it produce the things of God and the things of the word, or does it produce the things of the world? When we are confronted in this life of stress and anxiety, does the storehouse of your heart produce more stress, more anxiety, fear, the temptation to lose faith? Or does it produce what it says in Philippians 4? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you are confronted with the temptation to be unrighteously unrighteously angry, does the storehouse of your heart produce more anger, malice, 
destruction, murder? Or does the storehouse of your heart produce what it says in James? That the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you experience some great victory, when you experience some great accomplishment, does the storehouse of your heart produce pride? Does it produce self-reliance? Or does it produce what it says in the Proverbs, that pride goes before a fall? The question is this, is the storehouse of your heart so full, so permeated with the things of the Word and the things of God that in any situation, good or ill, your first response, the first thing it pulls out is the fruits of the Word. Now, this would be a a perfect place to stop and talk about Scripture intake, to talk about uh, meditation, thinking deeply on the things of the Word, um, communing with God through prayer in the Word. And those things are important. That's, those are disciplines by which we store God's Word in our hearts, and they ought not let be left unsaid. But I'm not going to say I'm up here. I'm simply going to direct you to a resource that is greater than what I can give you here. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Don Whitney. This is a great man of God. And I ask you, please read this book and put into practice the things he says. If you struggle with daily scripture intake, read this book, be convicted. If you struggle with meditation, learn from what he says in here. If you struggle with memorization, learn from what he says in here. So yes, all those things are good, and they ought not left be left unsaid. So read the Bible. Read it every day. Memorize the Word of God. Memorize it so it is your first response when confronted with something. Put it in your heart. Communion with God through it. Meditate deeply on the things of God. Don Whitney says uh, something in this book that so oftentimes our scripture intake is, is like just water passing through us. It just pours into us and pours right out. Meditation is so we take a portion of that water and we put it in our inner fiber. Learn to do it. Um, learn to commune with God through prayer out of his word. Learn to do those things. I know that you have heard those things before from this pulpit. I know that you've especially heard those things before from Elder Duff. Um, and by God's grace, I believe that you are doing those things. So that is, does not want to be my, I do not want that to be the, the focus of my message here. Um, but what I would like to do instead is to simply offer you three helps in fostering a love of God's word. Fostering joy in his word. Fostering the love of God's word in our lives and the love of treasuring his word in our hearts. And the first is prayer. There's a Puritan quote. Um, I'm sorry I can't give you verbatim, but I promise you I read it. He's, <laughs> the Puritan, he's, he's talking about um, memorization and how some men find it difficult. And he says something along the lines of, you know, you can hardly expect a man to become truly skillful in something which he despises. And what I'm not saying is, is that if, you're, if you struggle with memorization, then you hate God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, 
the joy of God's word has been taken out of your life. If you see coming to God through his word as simply another chore instead of a refreshment from your tasks. If when you read God's word, your eyes grow dull instead of being lit up, and you know that's not, that should not be the case, and you want it to change, then pray and ask God to change it. God's storehouses are infinitely rich, and he loves to bless his people with himself. And he says that you have not because you ask not. So ask him. Ask him for help. The second help for fostering a love for God's word and for fostering a love for treasuring his word in our hearts that I would like to offer you is thankfulness. Um, you know, I, I own a number of English translations of the Word of God. And a practice I would simply commend to you um, is when you are studying a specific passage in the Word, word it, read it in uh, just a number of different translations. And at risk of, of starting debates over which translation we should read or that, um, I would simper, simply offer you this. Um, Word of God's like a diamond, like a precious jewel, and, and reading it in different interpretations or English translations, even paraphrases, as long as we recognize that they're not inerrant, helps you to take that diamond and to turn it and to look at it in a different light and to see the light reflected off a little bit. And like, ah, like you know, what, one of the most um, scripture patches, like most foundational to the gospel, or in, in my ability to share the gospel, um, the wages of sin is death. I didn't fully grasp, or I didn't grasp more of what that, that verse meant until I read a paraphrase. It said something like, uh, what we earn in life and working is death. I was like, no. A wage is something we earn. <laughs> getting back on track. Thankfulness. So I'm preparing for this sermon, and I have a number of, have nearly every Bible I own spread out in front of me turned to the same passage so I can read it in different translations. And you know what the, whole, the, the scripture that the Holy Spirit put on my heart? It's out of Hosea 4. My people perish for lack of knowledge of God. There are people all over this earth, our brothers and sisters in Christ, part of our body, who are suffering, suffering persecution, imprisonment, and death. Some who have suffered death for owning this. You know, a man named William Tyndale burned at the stake so that I could read God's word in my own language. And there are people, our brothers and sisters, all over the world, who are starving for even a scrap of what I have, even a scrap of the precious treasure out of the Word of God. And here I am with seven copies. Oh, that God would guard our hearts against grumbling, for we are immeasurably blessed. When we are thankful to God, it draws our hearts up into love and appreciation and communion to Him. And when we are thankful for the word, it draws the affections of our heart to love the word. It helps us to treasure it, to cherish it. So let us be thankful for it. Thank you, God, for your word. The third and final help I would like to offer for fostering a love for God's word, for, for, for fostering a desire to love it, to treasure it and to store it in our hearts is actually a two-parter and it has to do with harvest laws. You know, what a man sows that he will reap. And it should go without saying that the more we sow God's word in our life, the more we reap his benefits. 
uh, benefits like some of those we've already spoken about, um, a guard against sin, fostering love for him, love for neighbor, uh, fostering thankfulness for him, communing with him out of it, but also joy, just the pure joy of having a living relationship with your Creator. And you know, when you sow that into your heart, when you sow that into your life, that joy out of the Word of God, and you reap a harvest of thankfulness, of, of, of love for God, of love for neighbor, of joy, you can take that harvest and you can sow it right back in your heart. And you can just increase the harvest. The storehouses of our Heavenly Father are full and He will never grow tired of giving us a harvest from His Word. You know, the Word of God is also something that we can sow into the lives of others. We can sow joy into the lives of our friends out of the Word of God. Now, Phil, he likes to talk about um, individuals he's met with the gift of giving. Um, they just have this gift, or this, this knack of giving to those in need. And uh, Phil, I forget exactly how you put it, brother, but it's something along the lines of they just act as a conduit of God's grace. They act as a conduit of God's blessing. They have what they have with open palms, and God just sends uh, money, whatever else, through them. And the more they give others, the more God gives them, and they just keep giving and keep giving. And God keeps blessing them for it. Brothers and sisters, what if we had that same attitude and expectation of the Word of God? Proverbs says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. What fitter words do we have to sow into one another's lives in the words of God? As a beautiful ornament such as a golden apple would rejoice the eyes, how much more can we, re can we rejoice one another's hearts with the treasure of God's word? God's word is a gift that we can give one another. And when we give it, we are giving something of immeasurable worth. It is a gift that you can give your friend. It is a gift that you can give your enemy. Is it a gift that you can give a complete stranger? Is it, a, it is a gift that husbands can give their wives and wives their husbands. It's a gift that parents can give their children. It is a gift that children can give their parents. It is a gift that grandparents can give their grandchildren. And it is a priceless treasure. Now, grandparents, I'm serious. You be teaching your grandbabies the Bible. You want to know one of the happiest moments that this last week for me was? So when my daughter came to me and shared with me a passage of scripture that her grandmother had taught her. And Sherry, you're not here today, but thank you for sowing that into my child's heart. May you both reap the harvest from it. But you know that would never have even happened had Sherry not first treasured God's word in her own heart. So it is my prayer, my expectation, that we will become a people who treasures the Word of God in our hearts. That we have it so permeating our beings, that we have the storehouses of our hearts so full of the Word of God that it is the first response that we have to any situation, good or ill. That we love Christ, we love His Word. We find joy in treasuring it inside of us. We see it as the priceless treasure it is. That it would, it would permeate our beings, that it would be on our lips as we interact with one another throughout, uh, throughout our weeks, as we interact with one another here this day. 
that we would be a people of God who loves the Lord and loves his commandment and obeys his commandment. Out of Deuteronomy 6, when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your guests. In short, that we would be a people of God that would treasure God's word in our hearts. And to that end, I would simply ask each of you that the next time you open your Bibles, you pray and you say, Lord, thank you for the treasure of your word. Please help me to love it and treasure it in my heart and help me to share it with someone. And you wait and you watch and you see what God does. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful Father, you have given us this rich and precious jewel. Lord, assist us with your spirit that it may be written on our hearts to our everlasting comfort, to reform us, to renew us according to your own image, to build us up, to edify us in the perfect building of Christ. Father God, would you increase our love for you and our love for your word? I ask in Jesus' name, amen.